right, good morning. Um, thanks for being here. My name's Bill. You may not know who I am. I've been gone for a few weeks. Um, a group of us from Rolling Hills, we've been planning since 2019 to go um, on a learning experience in Turkey and Greece and seeing the sites of where much of the New Testament took place. And it finally took place, and uh, I, I was almost over it. You know, I was like, we've been playing this for three years. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I want to go. And then it just blew me away. It was so great. So thank you for uh, allowing me to do that. And thank you to Rick and Jason and, and Aaron for uh, continuing marching through Genesis and doing such a really a great job. Gifted, man, we have a gifted teaching team. Really thankful for that. Now, before we jump into Genesis, uh, it's going to be chapter 16, so if you have your Bibles, you can start getting, getting there. Um, I, I want to take a moment to uh, talk about something to just the Rolling Hills family. So Rolling Hills family, if, if this is your faith family, this is where you call home, then I want to speak to you. If you're new, if you're, if you're uh, checking us out, then um, you know, just hang with me for a second, because I want to speak to the family. And uh, one of the questions I'm getting a lot is, is as you know, we're gonna go into a lead pastor transition. And so I get questions like, okay, how are we doing? How are we finding them? Who is it? And I just want you to know, first of all, hey, just calm down and stop, you know, <laughs> stop trying to kick me out. Okay, so um, no, it's gonna happen, but we haven't even started the search part of the transition yet. We've been working on lots of other things. And so we, we begin the search part um, in the fall. Okay, so it's getting closer, and, uh, and then we will be, uh, we're going to try to over-communicate, um, which means we won't communicate enough, but we will uh, keep, we'll, we'll RH News, we'll, we'll send out videos, we'll put stuff on the website, and we'll talk about it here, okay? And so, um, but just so you know, it's, uh, we're, we're several months away still from starting the official search part. Um, but there's another part that I want you to be aware of, and I don't talk about it uh, much, um, and we can go through and map my teaching and prove it, because some people accuse me of talking about it all the time, and that's money, okay? Um, usually when we talk about uh, money, it's in the context of generosity, and it's just like, man, how, how can we not be growing in our generosity when God is so generous to that? And, and so we wanna be generous people, generous with our lives. Um, but I want you to know some practical things, which I hardly ever talk about, but I want it to be on your radar so later on you don't say, well, what? that would have been helpful to know. So during this season of, of transition, um, people are going to be checking us out to see, okay, how are we doing financially? And man, we, God has been so faithful, and I want to thank you so much for those who have been part of Rolling Hills Faith Family and have been, been contributing um, during a time where churches across the world have struggled in this pan, you know, pandemic that's in our rearview mirror, but um, churches suffered greatly, and, and we did not feel that same suffering. You, you were so faithful throughout the pandemic and continue to be, and so we just want to thank you so much for that. Um, we are on a fiscal year that goes from September 1 to August 31st, and so we're in the last quarter of our fiscal year, and we're running behind projections. It's not an emergency. It's not, we're not panicking. Our cash situation is really good, thanks to your 
ongoing faithful giving, but um, we want to finish strong. And so if you ever thought, you know, I've, I've been thinking about, I feel like God's leading me to start giving or, or maybe give more, and you wonder if, it, if it's practically a help. And I just want to say that it's really important during the season that we have strong we have strong giving, and so we want to end this fiscal year strong. We want to have next fiscal year strong as, as we're looking at candidates and candidates are looking at us. And so I just wanted this to be on your radar. I really do trust the Spirit of God in you, and so if you engage with the Spirit of God and say, hey, is this, is this something that um, you want us to leverage the resources you've given us um, at this time, then uh, you know, do that, listen to them, and respond and uh, that would be great, okay? So now, if you are not a regular part of Rolling Hills family, you can tune back in, get off your, your phone, stop answering texts, and, uh, and we're gonna get into Genesis chapter 16 together. So last week, Genesis 15, really important um, chapter in the book of Genesis. It contains uh, part of the Abrahamic covenant, and um, that is where God says to Abraham, through your descendants, I'm gonna bless the whole world. I'm gonna make your descendants a great nation and through them will be a blessing to the, to the entire world. Um, and that is specifically talking about the Messiah, Jesus, is gonna come and offer uh, hope to all the world to be reunited and reconnected um, with God, the God who made him, the God who made him to be in relationship with him. Then he does this ritual with Abram. While, while Abram's sleeping, he does this covenant where he's the one that, that parts the ways and, in a flame. And, um, and what that is saying is, Abram, this covenant is dependent upon me and my faithfulness to you. And it's not dependent upon your faithfulness. And so God's saying, trust me. I'm going to give you a child. Abraham's 85 now. I mean, he first heard of this promise when he was 75, and he's going, oh, man, you better hurry. And now he's 85, and he's going, too late. I mean, this is, I mean, this is literally going to be a miracle. Sarah is, like, in her 70s, and so they're just thinking this isn't happening. And um, if, well, you know, who isn't impatient? I mean, I don't like waiting for stuff. If you think something's gonna happen, then you want it to happen. You want it to start rolling. And what they do is they have the word of God and him saying, trust me, but they don't see the work of God. It's like, when's this, what's going on here, God? When's this gonna deliver? Because Sarah is barren. And so Sarah is feeling a special pressure and anxiety and an angst for a couple of reasons. One is, in her, in her day and age, in this ancient culture, the primary role of a woman was to build a family. And so it's like, okay, this is one of the reasons I don't like the Bible. And it's like, well, this is just, that's not a Bible thing. That's a cultural thing of ancient times. And as a woman, that was one of your primary duties was to, I am going to contribute to our society and our culture by adding children to it who will contribute um, to our society as well. And so Sarah has not had that happen. And so she is really in this inner turmoil regarding who her culture says she should be 
and what she's experiencing. So she's feeling really an identity crisis. And now God says the hope from the world is going to come through Abram and Sarai's kids, their descendants. And so Sarai's going, hey, uh, I'm letting the world down. And so she's panicking. So she decides, I'm going to come up with my own plan to make this happen. Because there's, there's a way in our culture, in their culture, that she could make it happen. So God has said, I'm going to give you a child. Trust me. And Sarah and Abram are going, let, let us help you out. So is this saying, um, you know, you shouldn't try, if you're infertile, you shouldn't try different methods to get a child. It's not saying that at all. It's unless God has come to you and said, hey, don't do that because I'm going to miraculously give you a child. Um, that's what he's done to Abram and Sarai. Okay. And so their trust is, are you going to trust him? Or are you going to get sucked into this, this pressure that you're feeling that's going to give you worth because of the culture is placing it on you? So in Genesis 16, verse 1, Let's start reading the story. And actually, it gets weirder as we go. So just hold on, and I'll try to explain things. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. And so she's, she's saying, God's not letting me be the person he created me to be. So that's a problem. So she says, I have a plan. Hagar, or Sarai to Abram says, go into my servant, Hagar, and it may be that, that I shall obtain a child or children by her. And Abram listened. Don't listen, Abram. But he did. And he listened to the voice of Sarai, and it's just like, Abram, that's a trap. Don't, don't. Don't do it. And, uh, but he did. He, he listened. And so um, what's going on here? This is so weird. So let me just help you with the weirdness a little bit. And that is um, historians and archaeologists um, looking in ancient times. This was a common practice. It was a common practice for the, the matriarch in the household if she was barren, if she was unable to have children, to take one of their house servants who um, could bear children and say, I, um, husband, you can marry her as a second-tier wife. I mean, she's not varsity. She's like, you know, JV. And, um, and, you can have, and she will bear children. And, and they've actually found drawings and, and um, artifacts of they, they would have a baby for or a uh, a birthing table, basically, that was like a double-decker. The surrogate mom would be underneath having her child, and on top would be another platform where the matriarch of the family would lay, and so as soon as the baby was born, they would then place it right onto the matriarch. And so this is what would happen with Sarah and Hagar. Hagar would have a child be placed onto Sarah. Sarah would basically say, this is my adopted child. This is mine to raise. All right? Messed up, right? Messed up situation. Um, now, you might be thinking, that's why I have a problem with Christianity. It's this 
crazy stuff in the Bible that the Bible's talking about and doesn't even do anything about it. It's, it's just like it's condoning it. And I just want you to know, no, the Bible nowhere condones it. In fact, in all these ways that, that these people in the Bible are messing up their families, it shows them messing up their families. And their families tend to be train wrecks as a result of it. So this is a cultural norm. It was a cultural thing that was happening. And it was not condoned by God, but it was something that Sarai says, hey, we can get this done. Let's help God out. And so at that point, what she's doing, she has a choice. Am I going to trust the word of God and honor that in his promise? Or am I going to go after what's going to give me my identity? I, I, I know I can... I can become a mother, even if it's not truly from mine, biologically, from me. And so that's the way she goes after. Now, um, let me tell you what the Bible is doing. You know, is the Bible a book that shows you exemplar people and, and how they live lives of faith that we are to follow as examples? No. That's not what the Bible is. is. Is the Bible, you know, just putting forth principles that are pillars of a good person? No, that's not primarily what the Bible is. What the Bible is, is it focuses on the works and the acts and the character of God and how he is constantly reaching out with his grace to love and to bless people who are train wrecks, who are messed up, who fall into the culture of their society and its brutality and its messed up norms and its values, and they're not strong enough to, to rise above it and live above it, but they, they, they believe lies and they get sucked into it and God continually pursues them, continually reaches out to them with his grace. Even though they might not want his grace, they may not be pursuing God, they may not even be aware of God, and yet God is constantly showing up saying, hey, I love you, I know you, I see you, I created you to be in a relationship with me, and so trust me, turn to me. And even when grace is received, many times it's not very long before it's not even appreciated. And so the Bible is a book about the, the love and the grace of God that is constantly being extended to people who are immoral and, and spiritually bankrupt. And so that's the good news of the Bible. That's the grace of God. It's not a book about, hey, this is how you can be good enough for God to like you. Because the reality is, none of us can be that good. And so... We get messed up a little bit and thinking, look all the things the Bible talks about. And it's like, yeah, isn't that a mess? And yet God chooses to love us anyway? Man, the, the grace of God that is, that is overwhelming. He does not give up. And that is the great news in Genesis 16. Because we're going to see how taking things in our own hands and saying, God, um, I want to honor you with, your, with my life, but I am, I'm just impatient. So I think I can help you out. How that is an act of unbelief. And when we don't 
honor God and instead say, I'm going to go after my own plans, it, it, it results in disaster. It, doesn't, it ends up not being a good thing. And so um, verse 3, here we go. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and she, Hagar, saw that she had conceived, which means that she's doing what a woman should do in that society, which is making her feel great about herself. And so what happens? She looks with contempt on her mistress, Sarai. And she's going, I'm, I'm the person God wants me to be. I'm doing what I was made to do, and you aren't. And so it causes instant division, instant contempt, Sarah, her plan succeeded. And now she's got to live with the consequences. Instead of, okay, I want to trust and honor God with my life. And so here's the point. It's better to honor God than to have my plan succeed. It's better to honor God than to have my plan succeed. We, we don't live um, in a culture like that, okay? Um, we can marry who we want to marry or not. Um, and I can be totally fulfilled and fine as a human being. I can be married and have kids or choose not to have kids. Okay, We don't have the overwhelming defining cultural value that this is, if you can't be married and have children and build a family, then you are missing what you are made to be. Okay, That was a cultural value then. It's not the same now, although some of you who have been married, your parents are really putting the pressure on you. Come, come on, grandkids, let's go. Um, but it was a different thing, all right? So we think, hey, I don't have that norm. We don't have that. So glad I don't have that. Well, we do have it. It's just different. It's just different. If you're um, a woman in our day and age with the freedoms now, and the opportunities, it's like you can't waste it by having kids and staying home. You need to get educated. You need to have a successful career. You need to be a contributor and keep this momentum going. There's pressure there. We need to be successful. We need to be good looking. We need to, do, I mean, there's pressure in our culture about what does success look like? What should you be? And there's never been a culture that did not put pressure on its people to become what it says you should be. All right? So we have that. We have that in us. And we have ongoing decisions about, okay, am I going to choose to, I'm, my passion is to honor God with my life. Is to realize that he sees me, he knows me, he loves me. And I'm going to lay down my life for him. Or are we living for something else? Or is there something that is just, this is a very deep spiritual thing that's happening to Sarai. She is taking the cultural norm and she is taking it in to where it, it's, she can't separate it from herself. And she says, instead of trusting God, um, I think I can help myself get a kid. And so instead of trusting the word of God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go after the kid. Why? Because she needed it in order to be the person she felt she was meant to be. Where did that come from? It came from her culture. 
And so for you and I, are we chasing something that our culture is saying, this is what you are meant to be. This is the success. This is the standard of living. This is how your kids need to be. This is, this is how you need to be relationally with other people. Are, are you feeling like inside, I'm going after something that if I don't get, I, I'm just not gonna feel good about myself. And if you are, you've decided what your God is. That's your God. That's what you're living for. And the point of Genesis 16 is God saying, I, I, I want to free you from that. Trust me. It takes trusting the God who made you. Do you believe he's a good God? And then you, you, you get your identity around who he says you are. And then it frees you up from what people and culture says, no, you have to be this. You're like, no, I don't. I can't be successful. I can't have kids. I can't have a family. I can't have all those things. But my identity is not dependent upon it. You see the, the trap there? Man, if, if you're fortunate enough, you want a family and you have a family and you have kids, uh, you know what it's like for your kids to be criticized, for your kids to do something dumb, and for other people to see it. And do you ever feel like you're threatened by what your kids do? Like your identity is threatened by that? You're defensive of them because it's a little too close to home? Well, you're getting sucked in to making an identity for yourself that, it, that has consequences. And that is you're trapped. It's, it's like my kids have got to do this so to prove that I'm not a bad parent. And that, that's, a, that's a bummer to place on your kids, isn't it? But it's like I can invest in my kids and love my kids and know my kids aren't me. And I can correct them without being threatened by how they're going to act. Because I love them. Because I know I'm loved by God. I'm solid. And so that's, you know, we, we just, as we make fun of that ancient culture, we just got to be aware our culture does the same thing to us. Looks different, but it's, it's the same thing. So you tracking with that? That making sense? Hope so. All right. So uh, it's never been a culture that hasn't done something like that. And so the question for us is like, what are, are you serving? What are you serving? Who are you serving? What picture of yourself are you trying to be and become? And how does that impact how you want to live your life? Uh, faith in God is living life without scheming, without scheming. Sarah's plan succeeds, and now I can't imagine what she's going through at home. Um, Hagar's feeling really great about herself. Sarah's not feeling great about herself, even though her plan worked. She goes to Hagar, hey, Hagar, uh, you know, laundry's not done. You want to hop on that? Hagar says, oh, well, Today's not a good day. You know, morning sickness. That happens to people who are pregnant. At night, Hagar run around. Abram, Abram, you gotta come here quick. Our baby is so active. Put your hand right here. Feel the baby. And I can just see Sarah just doing a slow burn. What have I done? What have I done? What have you done, Abram? and just wants to strangle Hagar. 
And so there's consequences to us saying, I'm going to go after this because I have to be this. When God says, no, you don't. Be who I made you to be. Rest in the fact that you are known and seen and loved by me. Let that start penetrating your heart. And you'll be free. We'll talk about that a little bit more. All right. Now, uh, verse 5. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. Abram's going, whoa, 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 whoa. I just did what you wanted to do. You should have stopped me. You knew it was wrong. You know, and so let this be a lesson to you guys. It's like, okay, this is a trap. You know, you know what's a trap? Here's a trap. If you're married, to start thinking about I wonder if a relationship with somebody else would be better. You know, there, there's somebody who's been really nice to me, and I think there might be an opportunity. And I wonder if that would be better. And I want you to know, if that thought has ever come to your mind, that thought is stupid. <laughs> Never okay. Well, Bill, you don't know my marriage. I, I don't know your marriage. But that's still stupid. All right, if you're married, you invest yourself in that marriage. And it might be a one-way street, but you invest yourself. And you don't look for outs. You don't look to chase something else. Always a dumb move that will bring consequences. Well, I've seen it work for somebody else. Yeah, there, there's pain involved. Trust God. Wait on God. Don't do it. Always a dumb move. And we can be justifying in our mind. No, it's not a dumb move in my situation. Yeah, it is. You've been hit by a dummy stick and you don't know it. All right? I mean, Abram knew better. She's throwing this idea out. He's going, seriously? This is what you want me to do? And he was just, he was passive. He should have said, hey, you know, um, remember when there was a famine and we went to Egypt, and I knew it wasn't really God's plan for us, but I, I came up with my own plan about how we were going to maneuver through that whole thing and what it almost resulted in and the catastrophe. And actually, that's how Hagar was given to us, by the way. We, we should trust God. We should learn from that and trust God. And, and he just stayed quiet. He knew better. She had a point. Look what you've done. Verse 6. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Again, stupid. You, you're you're going to have a child with her. You have a responsibility to that child. And he's just washing his hands. Oh, yeah, this is, this is your idea to begin with. You know, do whatever. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, Hagar, Hagar, and she fled, she, Hagar, fled from her. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And so what she has done, they're already living down in um, uh, Beersheba, which is in southern Israel, which is largely 
deserty. It's not, you know, I've, I've been there. It's, it's not where I would choose to, uh, you know, hey, let's live here. This looks great. It's, no, it doesn't. Um, but then in order to get to Egypt, you've got to go through hundreds of miles of desert. And that's what Hagar's doing. I mean, it's just how desperate she is. I got to get away from this family. I was owned in Egypt, and then I was given to another family. I was used in Egypt. I'm being used again, and now I'm pregnant. I don't have a home. I'm in crisis, and I don't know what's going to happen. I'm alone on the road. Verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. It doesn't say an angel of the Lord. An angel of the Lord is used in the Old Testament, and that's referring to angels, spiritual beings that are serving God. This says the angel of the Lord. In the Old Testament, when it says the angel of the Lord, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about the Son of God, Jesus, the incarnate, pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus came to her alone, upset, in crisis. By the way, there's nothing in Hagar that says she trusts in God. I mean, she's been used. Maybe she's using that as I, I've been, I have been uh, abused in my life. And if there's a God who loves me, then why did he let it happen? And she may have used that as a way of not trusting in God. And yet, God comes to her. And he says, Hagar. He knows her by name. She's been a commodity her whole life. And yet here, suddenly she realizes God sees her, and he knows her, and he's come to her. Verse 8, and he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord um, said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. And so he's, he's, gonna, he's saying it's okay to go back. It's okay to go back. You have a child. That child needs a dad. That dad is back home. I'm going to make sure you're okay. I'm going to take care of you. Stop running. Stop running. She's running. She doesn't have a home. She, she, she's, she's been used at every turn. She doesn't know where to go, but she's just, I'm just going to keep moving. And that could be us in life. We're chasing after stuff. We're chasing after things to bring us fulfillment, joy, peace in life. And so it may be the next adrenaline rush. We got to plan another something to do, maybe a vacation. We got to keep the, you know, always planning the next vacation. Keep, keep, uh, you know, the the chemicals, the positive chemicals going in us. I don't want to slow down enough to to have to deal with really who I am. And God says to Hagar, "Slow down, stop running, because wherever you the problem with running is wherever you run to, you're still there. You know, we can't outrun ourselves." Great Jackson Brown song, by the way. Um, problem with running is he's still there. And he's saying to Hagar, hey, slow down. Slow down. Stop running. Go back. Verse 10. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered 
for a multitude. He's saying, um, I'm gonna take care of you. You're gonna have a child. It's gonna be healthy. In fact, you're gonna have a descendants that, that are, are great in number. Sounds kind of like the promise God made to Abraham, right? But God said, through your descendants, they're gonna, you know, last week, they're gonna be greater than the number of stars that you can see. But also through your descendants, I'm gonna bless the world. I'm gonna bring hope to the world. Real, that's, a, that's a really different promise and covenant that God made with Abram than God's making here. But God is saying, I see you, I know you, I wanna bless you, I wanna bless you. By the way, in the Quran, they go back to this promise made by God to Hagar regarding Ishmael to say uh, he's the promised one. He's the promised one. Who was, who was to be sacrificed later on on the altar? Isaac? No, they say it's Ishmael. You know, th this thinking that was a good idea of Sarai and Abram, today you can read the news and what do you see? Struggles between Arab and Israel. Where'd it come from? Ishmael was the father of the Arab nations. Isaac, who's yet to come, God's um, promised one, is the father of the Hebrew nation. And there's consequences to our actions. This one has consequences that are, that are continuing to this day. Verse 11, and the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant, you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael. Why? Because Ishmael means God who hears. God sees you, he, he sees your, your pain, he sees your anxiety, he sees your affliction, he sees you being used and abused, and that's not all right with God. He says, but the Lord, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. And so maybe today you, you've been feeling alone. You've been feeling like God doesn't see or care. You feel like um, you're in a tough situation and uh, God is not noticing. And this is a reminder that God does see and he does care. Because God cares for everyone. He made you and he loves you. And he cares for you. Verse 12, let me tell you a little bit about Ishmael. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. That, that's, I, I, I'm thinking that's not a real flattering description. You're going to give birth to a wild donkey. I mean, in other words, you're going to give birth. He, he's he's going to be stubborn. He's going to be stubborn. He's going to be a fighter. He's going to have a quick temper. In his hand shall be against everyone, everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen, and our kinsmen. And it's, he's saying he's gonna be a leader, he's gonna have um, a lot of descendants, but he's, he's, he's gonna be a fighter. So here's, uh, well, let's keep going, verse 13. So she, shall, so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, so she's recognizing this is God. And she says, you're God of seeing. Unfortunately, she doesn't say, you are my God who sees me. She says, you're a God. I recognize you're, you're God. But she's not placing her trust in God. And yet God 
reaches out to a person who's being abused even though they have no trust in him. He's saying, I still care for you. I see you. I know you. I care for you. That's the heart of God. Pregnant woman by herself in the wilderness with her unborn child. He says, I care for you as a mom and I care for your kid. Why? Because I care for people, all people. That's the heart of God. So here's my, uh, just the last thought. My plans for my success, they actually imprison me. But God's grace frees me. Now is that saying I'm, I'm not supposed to try to be successful? No, but if, if I'm thinking I have to be successful in order to um, have an identity in which I'm happy with, then those plans are, are prison. They're prison. That's what we're living for. And it will not pay off. Because God says, uh, you actually have been created to find your value and worth and your identity in me. And so know that God sees you and he knows you and he loves you. You are loved and known by God. And take that in. Take that in. I tell you, you know, some of you every morning, you need, you need to wake up and the first thing you do is you pray to God and thank him that God today, right now, just the way I am, you see me and you care for me and you know everything that's going on in me and around me and you love me. I'm your child. When we take that in, the grace of God begins freeing us. Because what did God do? God saw Hagar, who was a woman. She is not in the line of Abram. She's not part of his chosen people. She's not a person of faith. And he says, I love you. I care for you. Trust me. And so if I'm taking in the love of God for me, you know what that lets me do? Get my eyes off of me. Be less concerned that my reputation is being protected and upheld. Being less concerned about what other else is thinking about me. Because I know I'm solid. I know my identity rests and I've been created by a God who knows me and loves me. And he's proven it. I'm loved. And then I can start looking for people around me. You know, no matter where I'm at in my spiritual journey, no matter, no matter where I'm at in life regarding um, my standard of living or the influence I have in life, um, there are people around me who have less. And some of those people might be taken advantage of, like Hagar was. And what did God do? His love moved him to her. And what should God's love do in us? It should move us towards people who are not as affluent or, influ or influential as you are. Because there's, no matter where you are, um, there are those who you can help and you have the resources to help. And God says, get your eyes off, off yourself. How can you help those around you? How can you help those around you?
That's how we embrace the grace of God. That's how we are freed by the grace of God to reflect um, the character of God in how we live. That's the Christian life. So Hagar and the child she has represents saying, I'm going after it. I, I, in my own power, I'm going to do what I think is right and what will be fulfilling. And eventually Abram and Sarai have a child named Isaac. And he represents the miraculous grace of God in our lives. In chapter 16, God's saying, uh, where are you going to place your hope? You know, place it in your works, in what you think is right, in what you can accomplish on your own. Are you recognizing there's a God who made you, who sees you and knows you and loves you? And I need to take that in. And I need to trust him. Two paths. And God says, I see you, I know you, I trust, and I want you to trust me. So we're going to pray, and there's really two questions as we pray to think about. And one is, um, what are you chasing? What, 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 do you, what, what do you want to be? What are you trying to be? And are you um, making that into a God that this is who I have to be in order to feel good about myself? Or are you saying, God, I'm, I'm known and loved, and I'm going to go after the things you bring me a passion for, but I'm not, my, my identity is not dependent upon it. And then secondly, maybe you have been saying, um, I have been trying to make myself good enough for God to like me. And today you realize it is the miraculous grace of God that's extended to you. It's what he's done. You know, that, that the angel of God was Jesus. And he eventually took on flesh and became man in the person of Jesus Christ. And then he died on a cross as an atonement, as a payment for the brokenness and sins of the world. And then he was raised from the dead, saying that I, I have power to defeat death and sin. And he says, therefore, I can offer forgiveness. Will you trust me? And maybe today is the day that you say, I trust in what you've done for me, God, in order to be forgiven and accepted by you. And if that's where you're at, let, let's, let's talk to God. In, in the quietness of, of your own heart, just say, God, I know that you love me, that you see me, that you know me. And that... You offer grace to me, something that I don't deserve. You offer forgiveness because of what Jesus has done for me. And so I ask for your forgiveness and I place my hope and my trust in you. And I ask that you help begin just opening my eyes to what a life honoring to you looks like. And would you help just me understand the person you made me to be and my, and my identity is anchored in you knowing and loving me. 
thank you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you just prayed along with me, I'm gonna ask you to do something. And, and seriously, if you, if you prayed with me and you know if you did, um, as soon as we're done, this will just take, it'll take a minute, is go out into the middle and there's some desks there and there's some people behind those desks. And just let them know, I prayed with Bill today. And they're gonna give you a sheet of information about, it's gonna have some verses about that, that direct you back to the decision you just made. So as questions come up, you can look and say, okay, I think that's why I did this. And then how do you begin growing this relationship with God? This new step that you've taken in your relationship with God, how do you begin growing that? How do you begin knowing who God says you are and who he is and who you can trust? And so there's some practical ideas there. And so take the ones that you think works for you and, uh, and begin that, uh, begin nurturing that relationship with God. If you're online, thanks for um, watching today. And uh, if you prayed along with me, go to rollinghills.org slash next steps and uh, fill out the information. Let us know how we can get that information to you and we'll get that to you as well. Now in this room, we are going to have communion together, shared communion. And if that's new to you, what we're doing is, God said, do this in remembrance of me. So remember the sacrifice that Jesus had on the cross and his resurrection so that we can be offered forgiveness. And so the, the little cracker represents the body, his body, which was broken for us. And the juice represents his blood that was shared for us. And he says, I just want to connect to you how much I love you. I held nothing back in my love for you. So if you ever question it, do I, do I hear you? Do I see you? Do I know you? Do I love you? Just remember this. Just remember this. I've proven I'll hold nothing back. I lay down my life for you. And so as we continue to worship, we're going to you come forward and you're ready. There's also some tables in the back. You can grab uh, a cracker and some juice. Go back to your seat. And uh, when, when you're, you know, when you just take a moment to get your heart right, to say, God, I, I want to trust in you and what you've done for me as a miraculous act of grace alone. And I trust you. Then take the bread and the cup, all right? We're gonna to continue to worship.